Hey everyone, it's your host James Olson. Before we get to the episode, I just wanted to share a quick reminder that Pacific Sound Radio has our very own playlist called Van City Jams. Van City Jams features bands and artists that we talk about in every new episode we drop, along with a selection of our favorite local singles. The playlist is updated every week, so head on over to Spotify and expose yourself to some new and exciting Vancouver music. That's Van City Jams only on Spotify. We now return to your regularly scheduled podcast. You hit that high, and it's not like you can feel so much more excitement than you're currently feeling than the first time you tour North America. I think we're all super aware this is like the best job in the world. We're always super keeping that super lucky. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Pacific Sound Radio, your go-to source for everything happening in the Vancouver music scene. I'm James Olson, and on this episode, we are very excited to be speaking with Neil Smith and Chris Vanderkoy of Peach Pit. Peach Pit are an indie rock unit known for their jangly, up-tempo guitar work, instantly catchy melodic sensibilities, and melancholic lyricism. Thanks to their refined songwriting, business savvy, and undeniable work ethic, Peach Pit have become one of the biggest bands to break out of the Vancouver music scene in the last decade, having signed with Columbia Records, toured multiple continents, and played major festivals including Bonnaroo and Lollapalooza. Neil and Chris, along with bassist Peter Wilton and drummer Mikey Pascuzzi, are set to hit the road this fall with stops in Colorado, Maryland, Australia, and New Zealand, and have been working on new material between tours. I remember seeing these guys play their debut album release show in the parking lot of the Waldorf Hotel to what felt like a thousand kids. It was so epic. Here's a song of the band's latest LP from 2 to 3. This is Vicky. It don't need to be alright now Your setting sun won't fall right where you think Don't think Yeah, Vicky You always keep me round But I think God you don't live next door to me Really stoked to have you on the show, guys. Let's do a quick round of introductions for our listeners. What is your name and what do you play? My name is Neil, and uh, I play. I tell people that I, well, I play guitar, but I I play the the shittier of the two guitars in the band. There's always one good guitar player in the band and one shitty guitar player. I'm the rhythm guitar baby. Yeah, he's just trying to be humble. But, I play the G uh, chord. Happy, happy yeah, really, you can finger pick all day long yeah. like crazy. Uh, I'm Chris, and I play uh, the good guitar. Yes, nice. Uh, what have you guys been listening to lately? Um, what have I been listening to? I've been listening to... I, I listen to a lot of Beatles. Always the Beatles at my house. My girlfriend's really obsessed with the Beatles too. Yeah, what album do you listen to most recently? Well, mostly actually solo Beatles. Lots of okay. solo Paul McCartney. Lots of John Lennon. Lots of George Harrison. Lots of Ringo. There's only four of them. So uh, Right. Yeah, Ringo we listen to a lot of those. Bit. We're nice. listening to Ringo. Ringo's got really? a couple good ones. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I there, it's tell escaping you my it. mind right now, but he's got some bangers. I love the No-No song. The No-No one's good. Yeah, yeah No-No song is good. Do you know any other Ringo Starr songs? I, I know no Ringo Starr songs, just the ones he's Photograph? The I can't remember how that one goes, but apparently Photograph's pretty good. Photograph, okay. I don't know if I know that one. Also, oh, oh, uh, Rat. 
rack my brain i think that's how it goes rack my brain <laughs> that one's good <laughs> you know any other lyrics no that? that's no? it okay. but yeah gotcha i just uh my favorite ringo song is they're gonna put me in the movies oh yeah make a big star out of me what's that called again i don't know actually no? i'm a fake ringo fan yeah anyway i uh i've not been listening to as much beatles lately in an effort to kind of because I was listening to so much. I think I've been trying to put my foot on the brake on that a little bit, but it's trying to get back into music that was recorded in uh, this millennia. Oh. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I feel like it was, I feel the older I've gotten, the more I've gotten into classic rock and it's just kind of nice to get back into some more modern stuff because I've Okay, hit us with some on, modern uh, Kurt Vile for oh, sure. Yeah. Kurt Vile's good. Yeah. We played a, a festival that Kurt was also playing and uh, got to watch him. And I feel like that's even how I've been discovering a lot of artists these days. We like play mm-hmm. some festival, watch someone play a live set, and suddenly after seeing the live set, I'm so much more into their recorded music. We kind of had that happen with Big Thief as well recently. I love discovering bands that way as like an audience member. Like, you're yeah. like, oh, I have no idea who this opener is. And they come on, and you're like, Holy shit, who yeah, are you? Yeah, that's the best. Exactly. Yeah. So been hooked on Kurt for sure. Uh been listening to lots of Chastity Belt, Parquet Courts. Um Yeah. Nice. nice. Good mix of stuff. I understand you two have been friends since high school. How did you first meet? We weren't really friends in high school, actually. No, we, we knew we've each known other. each other since we were in high school. Okay. Yeah. The truth is Neil's sister had a big crush on me in high school. <laughs> that's how we knew each other mostly. But it's true. Uh, yeah. My, my sister did like Chris. And she uh, liked your little boy beard that you had, and then she got to know me. Oh and, yeah, and ruined it. But uh, yeah, we, we've known each other for since high school, and I think when we really became friends was when uh, we were probably both just graduated in like 2013, and I moved to the same neighborhood as Neil, and we were kind of like going all the same spots and seeing each other around. So yeah, we kept Krista and I kept running into each other, and uh, yeah, eventually we were kind of like. Oh, we should. We could actually just be friends. We don't have to just bump into each other and hang out. Yeah, yeah, totally. Which we is uh, which is nice, you know, when you make a friend. Yeah, naturally that way because you're already doing the same things. It's like we might as well just plan to do these. And uh, what do we used to do? We used to smoke tons of weed. Yeah, yeah. Neil was pretty seasoned at smoking weed at the time, and I was pretty green to it. And I would, yeah, you know, green out quite a bit because of it. So uh, <laughs> we, uh, well, we would just go like, uh, what would we do? We go to like the this like area in our neighborhood. It was just a dead end street. There wasn't really any houses. Yeah. And we'd walk up there. We'd smoke weed, and then we would like freestyle rap, maybe. Sometimes oh, we would freestyle rap. Do you remember that? No, I we used to sometimes actually, freestyle rap, <laughs> and you know. would you would be so stoned that you couldn't participate. Okay, but you would think it was you would funny as hell. Yeah, too? me and Tom would do some freestyles. Really? Definitely. Okay, huh. yeah. okay I uh, I know you like to freestyle back in the day in your own right. Yeah, yeah, but definitely not while smoking weed no. at the dead end next to the elementary school. No. Yeah. But uh, we'd go down to the dock. Uh, we li- we both grew up in North Van, so this was in an area called Deep Cove, and we'd go down to the dock and go for like night swims down there and just uh yeah hang out on the government dock that's good times mm-hmm. and what music did you two initially bond over oh yeah good question probably maybe mac demarco yeah that probably would be the biggest one andy schaff yeah andy uh, schaff. i remember neil even introducing me to hip-hop he like showed me good kid mad city and did i really yeah you did no and, way and i was like oh, i don't really listen <laughs> i don't really listen to this rap stuff yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was then, the only rap album i had ever listened to <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally but uh that that sent me on on a journey in that genre and uh yeah those are those the those are the big three. But Mac was definitely the 
biggest one I would say. Well, Andy Schaff too, but like Mac, just because like we w- had like seen his videos of him playing live and stuff. And, uh, and for me, anyway, I saw him doing all sorts of crazy stuff and I was like, oh, you can like kind of just be a wacky dude on stage. You don't have to be like a cool front man. And he's cool. I think yeah. he's very cool, but... Um, he's cool in his own goofy way, yeah, right? Like definitely was you gotta so inspiring. Re- remember the time too, because uh, right before then, me and Neil had been both separately kind of hooked on the whole like folk wave that was mm-hmm. going on when uh, when everyone like Mumford had and Sons and Lumineers yes. and bands like that. Everyone had an acoustic guitar and a fedora. And I did uh, have one of those. Yeah, including Neil. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, we we had kind of like listened to that music for a long time, and that music felt like it was just kind of dying out a little bit too. And Mac DeMarco. I don't know if it was just the age we were, but it felt like he kind of ushered in this new thing for like, hey, this is like yeah. what young, cool, like skater guys like to listen to almost was the culture behind it. And yeah. it was easy to grab onto. I think, uh, yeah, I don't know what I wanted to add, but I think we were, it was the, we were the right exact right age. Uh-huh. We were like 18 years old. And you never know that you're the exact right age at the time. Totally. You're just like being heavily influenced by it, really into it. And then you look back and you're like, yeah, it's not like this guy was just create, like, you know, we started listening to him and he released two. And it's not like this guy was just going to put out one good record and disappear. Like he's a yeah, household name now. But at sure. the time, it just felt like uh, like your older, your friend's older brother's band or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, it was just very like chill and uh, accessible. I'm going to jump around a little bit because I do have a very specific question about Mac, actually, considering, you know, you've shared stages with him and he's, you know, a Canadian artist that's had a undeniable influence on a generation of vancouver bands mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. especially on your early material i can certainly hear an influence though you've of course, sure. carved your own path in a similar way though there have been younger bands coming up here who kind of sound like mm. you, you guys right and i wanted to ask do you feel like you're part of some sort of like vancouver indie rock lineage i might be reading too much I into think that but o- so only because i think every band kind of that's just how music works mm-hmm. you know it's like yeah it always happens that way and it will always continue to happen that way is that, you know, like there's people before you who maybe when you're young, you look up to them. Yeah. And so because of that, you know, you like something about their music or their performances or whatever, you'll want to emulate yourselves from that for sure. And, uh, and then, you know, eventually you become the older person that somebody else is looking up to. I think you see that stuff more in hindsight too than like yeah. in the moment, you know, I think we've like notice funny little instances of that here and there but for the most part i don't see the the line quite as clearly as like and you know maybe we will maybe we won't but like years from now maybe it'll be easier to look back and be like oh yeah i see how this all kind of fits in together within the vancouver music scene yeah well you were just sitting on your porch literally like uh, this weekend when yeah. grade, grade school was playing down the street uh-huh at yeah. uh, green auto yeah i live uh i live like a block and a half from green auto and uh was sitting on uh, my porch thinking about going to this grade school show and then I uh, heard them covering one of our songs from uh, my porch and I was kind of like, that's really sweet of them, but uh, I'm also happy I'm not there <laughs> trying to look stoked, but not too stoked. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah totally. Just being like, I'm so embarrassed right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm really, but I'm yeah, really excited. Give thumbs up nice. the whole time and finger guns. It. I really like it. Yeah, no, I really like those guys and I think they've got a, a great sound of their but own just, too. But uh, just, yeah, for sure, I think... Uh, that's the cool thing about music is, you know, just, I don't know. It's all kind of just people are inspired by the people that were older than them, I guess. Mm-hmm. Generally yeah, speaking. Especially locally uh, uh, in, in cities and, and the Vancouver music scene is definitely no different. 
Yeah, it's uh, also something just, you know, as a music journalist, I love to <laughs> love to like, oh, what's the narrative? What's the history that yeah. I can try and like piece it all together? Piece it all yeah, together. Do exactly. exactly that. Well, even yeah. like, I don't know, not just like talk about people like being stoked about inspired by us. That's fucking lame. But also like the band when we were first starting out, mm-hmm. the people we were looking up to, you know, it's kind yeah. of like, you know, I feel like when we were talking about the folk music thing, like when I was playing in my first band, there was like the peak performance project was going on. And so all of those bands like said the whale and uh, we are the city uh-huh. and current swell. Yeah. Good for and grapes. good for grapes and the river and the road. Like yeah. those were the bands that like from Vancouver that we were looking up to. Mm-hmm, so there definitely. you go. Yeah. It's just a chain. It is. It <laughs> absolutely is. Yeah. The peak was like big for uh, being a teen at that time. And in, in uh, Vancouver, just it made these bands feel like they were like famous all over the world and then like but they were like kind of this very there yeah. were these local heroes really. yeah 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 how did you two connect with peter and mikey and what groups did you share a common affinity for when you were starting the band yeah i uh, have known peter since i was like five years old so uh me and neil were kind of hanging out a lot and just naturally kind of all became friends through uh yeah. same and i kind of knew peter mm-hmm. a little bit before that because like we were kind of friends and like with my first band, Dogwood and Dahlia, we would play like a really small show in like Kelowna and Peter like came up to see our show because mm-hmm. we were kind of friends a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, we were all hanging out quite a bit before we actually started the band together. So we would like go on trips to Defino yeah. and uh, just, yeah, do, do lots of stuff like that. We were all, none of us were in school. We were all kind of working nine to five. So uh, yeah, met Mikey through another friend of ours, and Neil yeah. knew him a bit better. Yeah, we met him through our friend Connor, who was like a friend of mine when I was like in high school. And Connor had always mentioned like, "Oh, you got to meet my friend Mikey. Like, he's really, he's a sick drummer and super funny." And and I heard heard about Mikey for ages. And then uh, maybe when we were like eighteen, we were at a friend's uh, cabin over on Bowen Island, and Mikey was there. And I was meeting Mikey, I think, for the first time. And uh, I had just like for the first time started doing uh, mushrooms sometimes. So I was like excited to be at the cabin because we were going to take mushrooms. And I had brought a bag of mushrooms. that I don't know where I got them from, but somebody. And I was like, does anybody want to take these? And Mikey was the, I think he was the only one who wanted to take and them Claire with Murray, me. Right? And Claire Murray. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. And right. Claire Murray. And uh, me, me and Mikey got really fucking high on the beach on mushrooms got to know each other really i think well. i was like this guy's pretty fucking weird i don't know i don't know about him i'm not <laughs> too sure he changed or? yeah yeah for sure <laughs> now I, I, he is really weird but i like him a lot <laughs> yeah totally got a question for you chris uh who are some of your favorite guitarists and how would you describe your style Oh, man, that is such a hard thing to say about yourself. Uh, I can talk about guitarists for sure. I uh, had a guitar teacher named Mark Woodyard, and he uh, he was kind of one of these guys who uh, was on the forefront of, like, the looping thing. And yeah. that, you know, I hate to bring, like, Ed Sheeran. I hate to put that picture in people's minds of him just, like, looping with an acoustic guitar. And, uh, you know, that it's kind of become a bit of a trope now, but Mark uh, uh, would do it really well and kind of was doing it uh, in, like, you know, uh, 2012, 2000, right. that, that era. That and wait, time. what does Mark, Mark plays with uh, he, the Lazy Syrup yeah, Orchestra? Yeah, Lazy Syrup Orchestra and uh, the Funk Hunters sometimes. Right. And he uh, performs by himself as Mark Woodyard, but he just, like, had this very funky style of guitar playing and, like, 
not that I think our music sounds like this at all, but you know, he would show me Rage Against the Machine and like just even the the um, one of the funkier bands. One of, one of the fun- <laughs> one of the I, actually though, like, yeah, yeah so. they've definitely got like uh, uh, that element to them, and I think that uh, just the way he he taught me how to play those riffs um, contributed a lot to just like the rhythm of. Uh, my playing for sure uh and yeah i was i was a huge fan of the strokes and radiohead and uh a lot of different bands when i was a kid so i a lot of it comes out of learning songs that uh you loved as a as a kid like rack on tours and jack white were big for that for me too but most of it was just like having an older uh like a uh, person in my life who really showed me the ropes on how to play and like uh, kind of had their own style that i think i ended up emulating quite a bit and question for you, Neil. Who do you admire as a vocalist and as a frontman? Oh, vocalist, definitely Paul McCartney. That guy is just, he's such a great singer. He's so good at doing like a sad song, but then he can do like a rock song and have a crazy like rock and roll yeah. voice. Like He's got a lot of different voices. Yeah, you know, he's, he's amazing. Definitely and probably my favorite, one of my favorite vocalists. Probably my favorite songwriter. Mm. Um, one of my favorite Paul moments is when he goes like super hard on Golden Slumbers. Yeah, dude, yeah. so oh, sick, yeah. so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what other songwriters am I into? I really like Neil Young, mm. and uh, I think oh, I love uh, Frank Ocean. He's definitely one of my favorite songwriters. Yeah, I'm a big Just Frank like, guy too. Yeah, Frank guy. Yeah, yeah. dude, I love Frank. He's I, I want a new record, but I'm not sure if it's ever going to happen. You should get Me him on too. the pod. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the famously Frank, easy. Though. Yeah, so and easy to get him on your yeah. podcast. I'd probably be the best and worst episode ever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, um, yeah, he's just, like, such an incredible songwriter. His lyricism is just so fucking good. Like, he's just amazing at painting a picture that's, like, so full of emotion and, like, kind of describing something in a way that I don't think anyone else describes it in that way. Like he's so unique Um, and he's not underrated at all. He's perfectly rated, very highly (laughs) rated. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Those are my top three. What's the songwriting dynamic like between you two? Ooh. You say it's like, I don't know. Uh, I think we've always kind of had this thing of everybody in the band is like right in their own parts. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think everyone's good, gotten better as time has gone on at taking direction and kind of uh, seeing the group's vision for the project rather than maybe their own. I'm kind of speaking about myself right now. I feel like I've gotten a lot better at that. But yeah, uh, yeah I uh, think there's, you know, there's something really bonding and special about writing a song together that both of you agree or like, this is really good. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, This is something we are so proud of because yeah. it's like, you know, it's like your your co-parents or yeah. like with the whole band of this thing that you're just like, oh, well, I get to be proud of that forever. Like, that feels good. So uh, I, I think it's just kind we of We kind of all have our different roles a little bit, you know? It's like, yeah. you know, like uh, Peter, for example, he's very good, like kind of as a producer sort of a role. Overall. Overall, yeah. all of our records, like, He's so good at like arrangements and stuff like that. Uh-huh. You know, that's kind of like his and stepping back and like looking at the song from a distance, yeah. I think, rather than being like a lot. And then I, I kind of write like the basic close. sort of beginning of the song. You know, it's usually just me on my acoustic guitar when we start. And then from there, then a lot of times, for example, like this is maybe not the best example because it's kind of a folkier kind of acoustic song. But on our last album, we had a song 
we have a song called Give a Baby Go. And it's kind of like, I originally wrote it, it was a bit more of a somber kind of a tune. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah. so, it's kind of got a nice bounce to it now. It's yeah, like kind of a, totally. It's a it fun party song. It wasn't a pop almost. song before, no. really. And then Chris wrote this guitar line for the tune that kind of gave it this whole other sort of a kind of life Country from what it was. Thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I'd be curious to hear what the original demos from that song, it was much more kind of a sad tune, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we kind of all have our or like uh you know roles in the band and kind of over time have figured out how we work best together i would say yeah definitely i think that uh the more time goes on the more you like uh figure out how to solve these puzzles faster like by these puzzles i mean songs but uh, right yeah we uh i yeah it's it's hard to like pin down what everybody's role is specifically because I think everyone always has moments where yeah, it's for like, sure. oh yeah, you're right. That uh-huh. was sweet. Or you yeah. know, like these Absolutely. breakthrough things where you're just like can't figure out what you want to do next and then suddenly it's just like an aha Absolutely. thing. But uh yeah, those moments definitely belong to all of us when we're in the studio and when we're writing. And that leads me to actually a question I'm pulling from uh a cover story you did with Beatroot a couple of years ago. Rather the band rehearse for a full year before playing your first show, how did this approach help you lock in as players and mm. performers, as band members? Yeah, we did that because um, I had been in a band before and um, I wasn't very good live. Like I was felt kind of very nervous, like never like I was well practiced enough. And um, I wanted to like for, for this band when we started, I was like, guys, I want to be really, really good right away. Like really, you know for for playing for one year really really good so mm-hmm. i wanted to be like really confident in ourselves so i was like let's just rehearse and rehearse and rehearse so that the first time we ever play together people are like whoa these guys are pretty good they're not i'll come back and see them again yeah and i think that was even my goal. from my perspective i never thought about it that way i hadn't been in a band before yeah. so i think that was one major difference for maybe uh but even looking back on it you know it was just like the first thing you do is practice and write songs and not even play shows. But like it was the first band I was ever in. So it was just so exciting to mm-hmm. meet up, drink beers and like jam because I had never really had that relationship with uh, any group of people before. So it felt like very natural and less of like a, we should play shows. No, we got to give it like six more months before we're really good. It was more just like, yeah, we meeting up again on Tuesday. Yeah, okay. Right, totally. See you there. Like, well, like, you know, it was just the way to blow off steam after work at the time. Right. And, for uh, sure. and it yeah. definitely turned into uh you don't even realize you're getting tighter and tighter until you are there really. Yes. Oh, so it was, there wasn't even like that ordained like or i don't know mandated like no no we gotta i think there was in my mind Uh, but for chris because he was just stoked to be playing at all which Mm -hmm. i was too i was also really stoked to be playing with him it was sick but you from the start i think uh especially coming out of like having uh co-led a band before Mm -hmm. with dogwin and dahlia you were like i think the most focused on what needed to get done and what we needed to do to like be a band that you were proud to be in and i think we all kind of like came to that naturally but that's one really good way like neil uh was leading especially at the beginning of right. just like yeah. being like this is kind of the long-term plan in my mind and i think a lot of the rest of us were just like yeah i'm just here having fun this is going great and uh then we all kind of like and then it kind got of got merged all together. together yeah exactly no, you it get wasn't like i was some fucking super experienced no. dude but compared to you guys maybe i was you yeah know? totally and it, looking and it, back on now i didn't know anything about what we were doing but. yeah no not at all but you made some good guesses yes for sure 
for the touring cycle for your debut album being so normal you guys famously wore the same clothes every day (laughs) which helped establish a specific look for the group the band has since moved on from having that sort of on stage costume of of sorts how important has like visual aesthetic been to the band as a means to complement your music i think probably pretty important i think it's important for every band i would say Uh uh-huh and i think that doesn't have to be uniforms uh, no to like have a succinct style you know that can Um, be hard for like four dudes in their early 20s too especially when like they're not fashionable by nature you know so i think that i look back at photos of us playing before uh we kind of did the outfit thing and and maybe there wasn't as much of like a unified vision there but after doing the outfit thing getting so tired of it and moving on the like thing we've kept from it is just having like kind of a an idea overall of like how is this all piecing together is this work yeah it's working you know and and not having to lean on something specific but just having a but it was helpful when we started out i think yeah yeah totally it was also like we we kind of beat the horse to death a little bit i think and but uh, it was funny i feel like uh we did it for quite a long time actually and then i think you know eventually we realized that lots of people at the show didn't have any idea that we were wearing the same clothes every night. So to them, we were just wearing random clothes. Yeah. And we were like, why are we wearing these disgusting, sweating, sweaty clothes every night that half these people don't actually know that we're stupid? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So really happy to be moved on from it. But it was uh, a helping hand at the start when we didn't really know what we were doing. Yeah, fair enough. I remember when uh, the promotional cycle started for your follow-up release and the new photo shoot came out and you guys had, all had like kind of a blue look going on right. yeah i had it in my mind and i've been proven wrong by this but i kind of had it in my mind like oh are they doing a kiss thing where they modify what they're wearing for every album cycle <laughs> that was the <laughs> idea for a little for while for a second it was yeah yeah and then it was just kind of like you know we would go and watch bands and you just see like a lead singer and he's just like playing guitar in a t-shirt and you're, yeah, like, you're like that looks that so looks awesome <laughs> like i just want to want to do that because to that guy it's no big deal but to us it was just like i want to feel like i'm wearing what i might usually wear rather than kind of sticking on this this path that kiss might have you know laid precedent for uh you might be talking to the wrong guy because i like dressing up a bit for shows oh do you <laughs> well like yeah. collared shirts collared oh, shirt okay. occasional suit yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay like dressing up in that regard that as way, well yeah. half and say. half half yeah. and half for yeah. sure sometimes yes sometimes no yeah. but yeah there's still uh still you gotta put effort into the shows for sure it's just you're nice a performer. freedom yeah you are a performer entertainer <laughs> no yeah. you guys all worked at various jobs before embarking on your first major tour of north america europe and asia what was going through your heads when you all embarked on that tour together? Did you feel like you'd quote unquote made it to a certain degree? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Time, it was so sure. sick. Uh-huh. That that first time we like um, like the North America tour that we did. I guess we had kind of done similar. Not really. I'm trying to think what that tour was like. It was that so was fun. Like we we played the Rivoli in Toronto, and you know yeah, that, that was, was like cool. a two hundred person room, and but that I was just, still just us in our in uh, your van. Yeah, yeah, right. With yeah, Andy okay, and Cole yeah. And, and uh yeah, that was fun that, that was, was like really pretty much the first tour we had ever done and yeah just being able to like tour and and selling out a room that big uh for the first time we were there it was just like i can't believe 200 people in yeah, Toronto would come out and that's the kind of good thing about like 
quote unquote making it is like you make it a bunch of times in yeah, your career. Yeah, it keeps you happening know? over and over again. Yeah. You know, it's like the first time you sell out a show for 200 people in Toronto, you're like, oh my God, this is so awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you sell out a show for 500, like, oh my God, this yeah, is so awesome. Yeah, it's really know? happening. And then, yeah, hopefully it just keeps going like that. But, uh, or like we, the first time we flew to Europe to go and play shows, like rolling up oh, to the yeah. airport, none of us had really been, to, I guess you'd been a little bit when you were a teenager, yeah, but, but not, like none of us like had that. traveled Europe before. Uh huh. Um, and it was just so exciting. We were looking back at the tour poster from Europe the other day and uh, and just trying to like walk through and because we were arguing like, oh, didn't we go here before here or here before here? And we looked and I think we did like 20 shows in 25 days or something like that. Like, Which isn't a, like, well, it's a lot. Yeah. But a lot of bands do that. I guess. Yeah. It, but we just haven't true. done that in a little while. No. So it yeah. It seems like, holy days, shit, that's crazy. Once we do three, like four shows in a row, we're like, oh, we need a day off. This is like pretty tough. But that yeah. was like six, seven shows in a row sometimes and long drives in between. So uh, and I think we would probably get tired, but we were just like having the most fun. It oh, was yeah. so fun. It did not matter yeah. at all at the time. We were just so, so spry and, yeah. and excited it about it. But yeah, Europe was, uh, was a really special one to be able to travel for music. I remember like, early early days even before that there was this guy who sent us a message and he was like hey i'm trying to throw a music festival in india if i like pay for your guys plane tickets like that's as much budget as i have will you come play and we were just like absolutely yeah. like like we will pay you to do this we yeah. are so excited yeah. and that's just you know being able to to go over uh and tour as much as we do on uh in europe and uh, on the other side of the ocean now it's like at the time it was so exciting that we were gonna chomping at any chance we can had for it another big win for the band was peach Pit signed with columbia who are one of the biggest labels in the music industry who are some of your favorite artists on the label and have you had opportunities to play or meet up with any of your mm. label mates no we have no. never met anybody that no. would be cool it would be it awesome. kind of seems like you would have a chance to but there's uh We've never been to like a Columbia event. Well, nor we're do like I think in Vancouver and they're yeah. in LA and New York, so yeah. we don't really like chat with people at the label unless we're in one of those cities. And like you know, obviously we have like our points of contact there that we're friends yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, we, we, we we're friends with people who work at the label, but uh-huh. never met anyone like on that's signed to the label. But uh, it is cool when you like pull out a bob dylan record out of its sleeve and it says like columbia records or bruce springsteen or something yeah, like that definitely simon I can, and, or art garfunkel jasmine I, I bought one of his solo records oh yeah it's a columbia record which is kind of nice. cool you're like oh that's sweet, i can't even really tell you uh who is on is their roster right that now? is like yeah yeah i mean i know and definitely know like there's some huge artists like beyonce and stuff yeah. like that but i, I would have trouble if I was really trying to name a bunch of them, but the truth ACDC? is the matter. ACDC, nice. Well, and Depeche this, mode. Yeah. this like <laughs> kind of proves my next point is just like, I think we're in a position with this label where we're a little bit on the back burner because they have these artists that are, you know, touring stadiums and, uh, and doing these, pulling in a lot more money than well, us. Well, no, we can't, I mean, Columbia gives us, they, they work hard for us. Oh, they work for hard for us, for music sure. and stuff but like that, but I think we are that a tiny, we're a little We're a tiny fish. band in comparison yes, to what they're absolutely. used to working with. So yes. I think that, uh, yeah, that's not to say they don't work hard for us. They totally do. But I think the, you know, kind of career we have is a lot different than most of the bands that they're working with. We got more of the, the modern path as opposed to those legacy artists who, you know, yeah, there is still lots of young up and coming acts and stuff on. Columbia, yeah, yeah, though. definitely a lot more pop. Uh, I mean, I just don't we're know not who pop, they are. Yeah, <laughs> true. Me too. The band has gone through a lot of changes over the p- last few years with extensive touring, getting signed to a major label, and contending with the pandemic. 
How has the band adapted and risen to the challenges that have come your way? Hmm. Um, we got a really good manager, yeah. uh, management t- team that does uh, does it all for us. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, you know, I don't know, challenges that have come our way. They've been really exciting challenges every yeah. time they've come up. It's like, hey, guys, like, we want to, uh, I don't know, like, I can't even really think. But even as, like, the shows get bigger and you add, like, more production and things like that, like, it's all exciting. As the shows get bigger, make. though, it, like, actually gets easier. Yeah, I would, say? I would agree, yeah. Like, because then you have, like, you know, people that you work with who is, like, your guitar tech and Sam does get our guitar Teching. Uh-huh. Yeah, and like a Colors lighting tech. Yeah. So there's like darkness on stage in between songs and we even like get to feel like, you know, it's more of a show than just like when the house lights are on and things like that. So yeah, th- things have gotten easier. And it's way easier to play to like a thousand people than it is to play to 50 people. It's easier to keep the energy. Yeah, it's easier sure. to keep the energy yeah. going. Uh-huh. So yeah, challenges, I really, <laughs> I'm sure that if we thought hard enough, we could come up with a few, but honestly, we just couldn't be happier in the position we're in and it's hard to find things to complain about. Yes. Not that I have a lot of complainers on my show, but I know it's very easy for musicians to be jaded no matter where they are in their careers. So yeah. That's actually really no, it, nice it is. Hear. It is easy to be jaded for sure. Like even, yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you feel like bummed out on tour actually no i actually love it all the time <laughs> yeah <laughs> but just know. like i don't know like you know i don't know there as the band grows and stuff like that things do change and so you know even just talking about now like our first time touring in north america or like europe and stuff like the excitement level that we were feeling from getting to do that uh-huh. we still get excited and it's still really cool and i'm still really like thankful that we get to do what we get to do but it's not as good as it was back then yeah, it's like uh, you hit that high and it's not like you can feel so much more excitement than you're currently feeling than the first time you tour North America or the first yeah, time you tour yeah, Europe. Yeah, yeah. You just like do something enough times and uh, yeah, it gets to be like a little more commonplace. But that being said, I think we're all super aware this is like uh, the best job in the world. Oh, and, yeah. And uh, and so I was super lucky. Yeah. Your second record, You and Your Friends, dropped at the beginning of the pandemic, and the sound off of your latest release from 2 to 3 was informed by quarantine conditions. How has this post-pandemic period guided the feel of the new material that you've been working on? I Hmm. think in one way that we're trying to mold it is that we we got to play a lot more shows after the pandemic, so we were playing shows again, Mm -hmm. and just realizing that, you know, um, from our last album, there's some great songs that are fun to play live. And then there's a lot of songs that are kind of, you know, a little bit nicer to probably listen to than, well, I I don't know, just like not as fun for us to play live basically. So now we're just trying to like, um, find that in our songwriting again and like make a, an album that is going to have songs that are like high energy and fun to play Mm -hmm. live, I guess. Yeah, totally. Like, I don't know if you asked me to pick us, if you forced me to listen to an album of ours on a road trip, I'd probably pick from two to three because it's like easy, yeah. chill, laid back. And then if you asked me, if you forced me to pick an album that I'd like want to see live, I wouldn't pick that album because no. it's chill like that. So yeah, I think we we just kind of want to get back to uh, some more energy for the stuff. And uh, even today we were playing, uh, 
we're bringing this song Fuckboy Blues back uh, that we that's, are, a, that's a great one yeah we're playing in a live set uh, coming up at a show and we haven't played it in years and I think we all were like yeah let's see how this goes and it just has so much energy naturally that mm-hmm. it was really easy to like get into and I think that's that kind of energy is maybe a little bit missing on from two to three not in a bad way but it's something to get back to I think it's more just for us we're like oh I want to play more rock songs I guess mm-hmm, definitely something just that yeah just for for the next tour yeah definitely it was easy to make fuckboy blues feel good today yeah for sure so this next question might be another side to the same coin but you and your friends felt like a natural progression from your debut being so normal yeah. and listening back to it I kind of heard moments where the band was experimenting a bit on songs like Thursday and Puppy Grin whereas you know from two to three meanwhile more stripped back probably the most acoustic oriented of your releases so far what sonic direction can listeners expect from your next release i don't Hmm. know if we necessarily even know that yet no i feel (laughs) like yeah we'll let you know when we find out but uh yeah we've been i don't know it it, i think we kind of started out you you always make your first record mostly by accident i know don't know a lot of people who are like this is exactly what we're gonna make and then make exactly that and not like you we just wrote nine songs Uh uh-huh and they had uh and they had a sound between them and it worked well and then the second record we were really scratching our heads and we got our uh producer at the time john congleton to give a lot of input he was great even we were just listening to fuckboy blues today and like there's crazy vocal effects on my voice and and at the time which i was like forgot about even yeah that's not something that those aren't even choices we would have made like he he had a good uh way of pushing us to experiment and uh i think the experiment was us just not denying a lot of the ideas that he was throwing out there and i'm glad we didn't because i think he did a great job on that record but what that did for us was it kind of created a pivot point to go to from two to three because we were just like well we want this record to sound a little more natural and a little bit more like us so it was an easy place to go from making a record that we weren't like necessarily steering the direction of as much and now it's kind of like okay we just made the record we wanted to make like like and and now we're not like pivoting off of it as much as the last time i think so that that you know begs the question of yeah where's it going but we're asking ourselves the same thing Mm -hmm. so uh we'll find out speaking of which who are you working with for your next release and how's the recording process going so far good we're working with uh this uh guy from toronto named robbie lackritz he did our last album uh as well and yeah robbie is a super great guy Mm -hmm. Uh, we became good friends with him and uh and then we're and then we're recording here in vancouver at hipposonic with this uh local uh engineer producer dave rave yeah and uh another guy liam mose as well and that's the same crew we kind of had on uh, the last record from two to three Liam worked with us on uh, the record before as well, but uh, yeah, it's been going good. You know, we uh, had uh, some time in April to record and we're going back in uh, November. So uh, yeah, I think that this in-between time is is a valuable time to like look at what you've done and look at what you're about to do. And you're not on like one side of it completely. You're kind of, we're, we, we're in the middle of it and it feels like we've been in the middle of it for a while so mm-hmm. i think we're feeling a little bit more focused on like what we need to get done to finish the record rather than going in a little bit more blind it's taking shape and uh yeah we're getting the idea of what it's going to be like mm-hmm. robbie's the third producer that you've worked with you've also worked with a uh, harley small as well yeah what perspective does like robbie bring to the recording process especially since this is the second project that he's working on with you 
Ah, oh, good question. Yeah, he. I mean, Robbie's really good at uh, just like letting the room uh, progress naturally towards a different idea. And I think when he starts seeing us hit a wall, he's like, "Hey, yeah. guys, here's a suggestion. Yeah. Here's a here's a way to do it." And uh, or if he sees us going down a, a a way that he thinks he also thinks is cool, then he's the kind of person he's there to be like, "That's great. I like what I'm hearing." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do it a couple more times or something. You know? There was a there was a song on from two to three that. Uh, uh, it, uh, it was the song Lookout and we, we tried to record it one way like full band and I was really pushing toward to do it as an acoustic song and we just were going back and forth on this being like I don't know like are you sure you want to do it like that Chris and I was like let's just try let's just try and Robbie just kind of like let us argue amongst ourselves and then like once both versions were done he was like yeah I think it works well both ways but he like let us get there on our own and then kind of affirmed our decision at the end and gave reasoning as to why he thought it was a good decision but but uh, yeah, he's got a very chill style. And uh, I think we, you know, as time goes on, you get better at producing yourself too because you're a little more aware of what you want. So he leaves room for us to do that, which is super valuable. And in that case, you've got a song for the deluxe reissue whenever that comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't want totally. to reissue that song. No, though. I don't know. I think the other version kind of sounded <laughs> like like the Ice Age theme song or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I kind of had that vibe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Enterprise ran a car. Yeah, totally. If we could be so lucky to write that song. Talk about residuals. When can fans expect to hear new Peach Pit material? I think next spring yeah probably ideally for sure hopefully you know you know what definitely gonna happen Locked next in. spring yeah, totally. right, we got it folks we got it on the yeah, next <laughs> yeah, spring totally awesome <laughs> <laughs> well it's in stone now so yeah yeah tiktok yeah. <laughs> tiktok for sure yeah um, the band has a firmly established creative relationship with videographer Lester Lyons Hookham, who has helmed a majority of your videos. All of them. All, uh, of, them, all, yeah. all of them. There we go. Stand corrected. What is your favorite video that you've worked on with him? And by contrast, I guess, what was the most challenging shoot? Hmm. I think it's easy to say the most challenging shoot. Already Aphrodite. Was the Already Aphrodite yeah, music definitely. video. Yeah. Uh-huh. That was really brutal because we were... The whole concept, we kind of ripped off the Spike Jones far side. Kind, we kind of ripped it off. We completely ripped it off. Yeah, yeah, uh, but in a way shittier way. Yeah, though. way less cool way. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, but it is pretty cool. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of cool like uh, uh, you know, a B horror movie version of Spike. Okay, Jones so and if you side. don't know what this music video is, it's all filmed in reverse. And that's the music video. Yeah, and the, like we were listening to the song in reverse while we were filming the video, and it was a one shot. But we were in wetsuits and put our clothing over top of these wetsuits, and then this like this was got, back when we were doing the uniform thing. Yeah, so yeah, had, yeah, turtlenecks and sweat, purple sweaters and overalls and all that, and got into the water, and we're like in February, just like waiting to start the shot and come out of the water because the final shot was us like disappearing into, into the, the water. water so yeah. it was just so cold and miserable, and, and, and like, it was one take. Yeah, right. So it was really hard to do it because you had to do it the whole way through of the song. Yeah, yeah. And then we did it once and it was just didn't turn out very well. Mm. And it was brutal. So we had to go back. So we had to go back and do it again. It was the worst the second time for whatever reason. I don't know. The second time it was really cool. Okay, so that one, I like that video though. That video is actually one of my favorite videos. Yeah, nice. It's it's still, I still think it's cool. But um, 
wearing an Evil Dead shirt right now. Yeah, Evil Dead in that video too. Energy for sure. Um, the most fun though, I think, was probably um, for from two to three all the videos that we did. Up. Mm-hmm. We, we went on like a road trip with Lester and uh, a cinematographer named Bryn and Mackenzie, Jesse, Jesse, yeah. Mackenzie's a photographer. Jesse was the was he? Uh, he was assisting, assistant, I guess. Yeah. yeah, but it was just such a good crew, and we kind of got a lot of things done at once, and. I think, uh, you know, we, it was a lot of music videos that were made to feel like part of a road trip and we were actually on a road trip. So it was, it was fun. We like went up into, oh, what's that area called? Similkamine Valley? Uh, yeah. Is yeah. that where it's called? Uh-huh. And there was like kind of crazy there. forest fires. Obviously, it was the summertime. Forest mm-hmm. fires happening and stuff. So there was kind of like this kind of eerie sort of glow in the sky. And we uh, had like we had worked with a stylist for all these different like looks. And the worst part was just like pulling out a clothing rack at every stop and just yeah. like setting up a clothing rack Steaming and then clothes. Lester like yeah pulling them off, being like steam these. And so like the shots took a while to get because we'd have to like get set every time as you always do. But but it was so it fun. It was just yeah a really uh, really great time and very memorable yeah and we filmed the lookout video mm-hmm. um and i love that's my favorite music yeah video the best ever. thing about doing one shots is especially like with lester you know he's very takes his work very seriously and then the second he's got it he's like uh laughing like a giddy schoolboy. like he's just he's really funny with it but we, we kind of got that moment from him when we were filming the lookout video and you know being a one take we get to take it back and just watch the whole thing and like kind of play the song along to it a little bit and you kind of get to see the video right after you shot it and it was one of those moments where we we're just like oh my gosh yeah like that was so special we got it this is great so those are always uh yeah fun music videos to do yeah and even thinking about it the last two videos that you talked about it's like you can even see that like oh yeah that would probably be just delightful as hell just trying to shoot that yeah so yeah you're out in the okanagan sure. yeah. you're hanging out by yeah, the lake yeah 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 exactly river yeah. Or whatever. so much fun yeah mm-hmm. peach pit are band buddies with babe corner and Haley blay yeah how important is fostering community for this group oh i would say very you know very as- important in a way that we don't try to foster it at all. Yeah, true, <laughs> true. But uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of like, you know, you start playing shows and there's like a scene in Vancouver and there's bands that you might be like playing with uh, frequently. And then as time goes on and you tour a little bit more, it's not like you're playing local as much and it's hard to feel like as a part of the local yeah, scene sure. as you once did and i think i mean you still go to see shows pretty frequently a lot more than i do definitely so you're but still kind part of, of like aware being of it and stuff married to Lindsay yeah. and babe corner definitely helps with that and she's yeah. uh, down for the same thing and playing those shows and Haley, uh you know is, is uh doing really well right now and and maybe not playing in vancouver as much as she used to but yeah it's just uh nice to still feel connected to the music scene even if we're not playing in it as much and it's also just fun to have your friends uh, on tour with you. So mm-hmm, yeah. we try to yeah, do We've that gotten a tour with both time. of them now. So uh, yeah, that's uh, something we're definitely going to be doing more of. Speaking of touring, it can be an exhausting and exciting journey. What are some of your most memorable experiences from your time on the road? Hmm. Memorable yeah hard to bring it around we had we had a really fun little run uh last month we went to um 
we went from like New Mexico up through Nebraska and Missouri and like uh, parts of the Midwest we had never been to before. And there just happened to be like a disc golf, uh, uh, the mid US. Oh yeah, it was the yeah the US mid am silver series. I don't know, this is yeah. a professional disc golfing event that was uh-huh. happening. So we, we got, we were all excited because we were like, what are the odds? Like we've got well, some guys in- As four, five white dudes in a band. We obviously love disc golf. The, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> I guess it's getting that popular now for <laughs> sure. But uh, we uh, we just had a great time going and watching this like pro disc golf tournament and getting to see some of these pros that we've watched on YouTube for a little while. And uh, it was dramatic. It came out to a playoff. And I feel like as much as the shows and tr- and tour can kind of feel samey sometimes, you know, you're like, uh, it's hard to like remember uh, which show was from which tour, but like, we're always kind of pick- <laughs> always going to remember that disc always, golf tournament. You, I kind of am, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's like the things you do in between that. Those are the traveling things that you're doing. Yeah. And so I think we're good at totally prioritizing. Like we went to Chicago and Neil's like, we got to go to this place, Gibson steakhouse. I've had it on my list forever. And we went and I had like the best steak I've ever had. And it was just kind of like, you know, we played in Chicago five times, but never been here. And that kind of like that memory is yeah. attached to that time. And, uh, and I think that's, that's really important one of my most memorable things from like when we first started going on tour was when we uh this was our tour routing it was great we played vancouver then we played uh nelson Kelowna, and then we played nelson oh yeah and then yeah and then we drove uh we our next show was in la for some reason which (laughs) was not close to nelson two days later two days later (laughs) but we were like yo if we drive super fast and we never stop driving for 24 hours we can have a night in las vegas before our uh la show yeah and so we were just like switching out drivers like all night long i think it must have taken at least 20 something hours to drive there yeah it was like 24 hours straight of driving but uh that was and f- just so we could spend one night in las vegas on the way yeah and we had like a bed built in the back of the van so if you were brave enough which i don't think i was actually i think you were down with it though yeah but you were sleeping in the back of the van and all i could imagine is us just getting into like a head-on collision and you just supermanning out the front of the van yeah uh, but I mean, I would have died a lot quicker than you guys. Yeah, so yes, I feel like true. it would have been the better situation. And then we, uh, yeah, we partied in Las Vegas and we got matching uh, Las Vegas tattoos. Yeah, yeah. And, we all got 7-2 uh, off It was suit. sick. It was and, so fun. And then, yeah, that was maybe like the first tour we did of the West Coast. And we could only book shows in uh, 21 plus rooms. So we would like play shows on the curb outside the venue for like anybody who wanted to come out. Yeah, before the show, we'd play for like... 30 minutes or something yeah play for like you know 10 15 people who showed up and uh and yeah just do a quick little set and it was just you know we were so excited to be there at all and and uh it was easy to do double duty and and uh yeah kind of play two sets in one night also a great way to connect with your fans who are unfortunately not 21 or have fakes <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely yeah, no i would always yeah, recommend that to anybody if and we still the i mean those people who came to see us when they were not old enough are now definitely old enough to come and see the show. So yeah. it is, and we still see those people. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, like they've, they, that's the crazy thing is like eight years later, six years later, they're still coming mm-hmm. sometimes a few. <laughs> Peach Pit has played many different countries, markets and festivals with a tour of Australia and New, New Zealand just around the corner. Yeah. Um, what have been some of your favorite places and festivals to play? Um, well, we just got to play Lollapalooza in Chicago, and that was that really was really special. awesome. Yeah, that was uh, 
that was definitely one of those moments where we were like, wow, I can't believe we get to do what we're doing. And then we were like directly in the sun and like, you know, it was like 34 degrees or something like that. And after 45 minutes, I was like, cool. I've had a very memorable, great time, but now I'm getting sunstroke. Yeah. <laughs> like I need to do something about this. We were okay in the end, but that was, uh, that was great. Oshiega in Montreal. We did that right after that was very memorable. And Probably all the most memorable are the Vancouver shows that we've gotten to play for me, yeah. you know, cause you know, to, all the venues, you know, all the venues played. you went to see the shows there when you were, you know, or still go see shows there. But yeah, when you're in high school, like, yeah, playing the Commodore for the first time, that was really cool. Uh-huh, definitely. Um, playing the Vogue for the first time, that was really cool. That was a special one. We dressed up as Kiss for, uh, yeah. ha- it was on a Halloween show. And uh, yeah, that was by far the biggest show we had played at the time. And I remember it was one of those things where we were planning on playing a smaller place. And we were like, oh, but the smaller place won't be all ages. Let's just go for the Vogue. And uh, and we decided to go for it and it sold out. And we just couldn't believe it at the, you know, at the time it was like this kind of career defining moment that uh, we were pretty blown away by. And yeah, that was special. Playing Bonnaroo in 2018 was definitely another one of those that we were just, uh, you know, shocked and blown away by. Yeah. What stop are you most excited to play on your next tour? Ooh, I mean, what? Yes, how, Melbourne. Yeah, but how can you like one Australian city over another yeah. if you've never been there? I know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Feel, you know? I'm excited for Melbourne because uh, we're playing two shows there. So mm-hmm. that'll be fun. We get to spend two nights in the same venue, which is always really sweet. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm excited for um, our show in uh, Auckland in New Zealand because my favorite. Uh, Instagram celebrity is coming to the show. It's uh, Uncle Tix. Yeah. Anyone doesn't know who Uncle Tix is, but he's a he's a Kiwi gentleman. Is that what you call people from New Zealand? Kiwis. Yeah, yeah. He calls those Kiwis. He's uh, from New Zealand, and he has Tourette's, and he makes really fucking awesome Instagram videos. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be cool to see him. I'm just excited to go to New Zealand. Everybody I've met from New Zealand has been a really great person. So I mean, I wish I could. I mean, Australians are cool too. But you know, New Zealand. Fucking love Australians, mate. Yeah, no. Fucking sickos. uh, Nothing, nothing against them. But uh, yeah, just excited for for going places we haven't been before because a lot of the time we're going back to markets we have done before. So it's always uh, yeah exciting when it's new. You guys are definitely one of the biggest bands to come out of Vancouver in the last decade. What do you attribute your success to? Um, hmm. I think we got really quite lucky, I would say. Yeah. That, um, hmm. I think it's like, yeah, the band kind of ended, ended up being one of those perfect, uh, like storm situations where everybody wasn't trying to play a certain way to be in the band. It was just kind of naturally the way they did it. Like, I mean, I could uh, sing your praises. I think Neil's an amazing songwriter, and that has helped us get to where we are. And, and Chris I think, is a really good guitar player. And I think that, uh, yeah, everyone. But there's lots of good songwriters and guitar players out there. there. And yeah, that's true. And a lot of them no. don't uh, don't make it as far as we have. So that's where the luck comes in, where yeah. we just feel like we, uh, yeah, uh, kind of. It's like every time we we release a record and people like it, it's just like <laughs> we tricked them again, you know. Like it yeah. doesn't even compute sometimes to like how it's working or why it's working. But it just some of these is. redditors are getting harder and harder to trick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> writing reviews and they see right through it. <laughs> um, yeah, but I don't know exactly. I think you know what I'll attribute it to um, our good friendship with each other mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
that really nice guys <laughs> <laughs> you can't even say it sincerely <laughs> but yeah i mean i think that we have uh we've kind of got good relationships with everybody we've met in our path for the most part so i uh, just being nice to everybody being easy to work with uh caring about what we do is uh goes a long way but at the same time you just gotta get lucky every band that has ever like you know gone far in, into a career or whatever and there's some luck involved there's some luck involved yeah absolutely everybody's had a break of some sorts you know yeah so i think there's definitely a bunch of timelines where peach pit like released some music no one really heard yeah it, and then uh-huh. we disbanded totally. a little bit later 100%. but this is the timeline where that didn't happen so lucky us yes there you go well and I've, i think i read somewhere i don't know who said this but like luck is work ethic plus timing or something like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah you gotta, you gotta, Timing. you gotta Similar still way. be good to be lucky for yes. sure. So I think that uh, you know, that as far as that goes, I'll pat ourselves on the back and be like, I think we did a good job of this. But it just yeah, it's the fact that I can name a lot of people who deserve it and uh, and don't always get it. So uh, yeah, we're we're feeling grateful. But it's grateful. also like nowadays, like it's the best time for musicians. I would say as far as like it's so easy to get your music out there. You know, you mm-hmm. can record music yourself. You can write songs and put them on YouTube. There's no record label gatekeepers. No, it's you just can like, just do it yourself yeah. now and you can, you know, yeah. 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 It's just figuring out a way to, the, the best way to connect to your fans. I think that might be the stumbling block that yeah. some artists have. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. You guys have figured it out and you're reaping the rewards. So yeah. Yeah. No, I feel very, very fortunate. Want to pass the buck a little bit. Uh, what local bands or artists would you recommend we check out or bring on the show for a future episode? So you've, you've had Babe Corner on. Yep. I've had Janky on. Yep. Janky, yeah. Haley Blay. Both of, uh, well, I want to have her back on. Yeah, but, but all three of those would be suggestions that we would have had. Yes, so. definitely. Uh, yeah. Have you had um, We Are The City on, a.k.a.? Um, big kill big kill yeah Sorry. i'd love to have big kill i was it was so close to having we are the city on on the show and then yeah. they broke up like a month later and then a month after that it was the pandemic but right that big kill ep was really really cool. good uh-huh. yes yeah and they're doing some great production work for other artists too this artist raven who they uh just did a song for you should have her on uh yeah i, I really like her new single um yeah i think those guys are making some music in Vancouver that's kind of like a niche of its own for sure and uh, I think they're even doing that with We Are The City but uh, we're lucky to have them in Vancouver for sure they're uh, they're amazing artists but yeah um, trying to rack my brain there's it's always when you like you know I know so many people that I know, are dope, when you but... totally when you have to oh Dead Soft huge fan of oh, them yeah, and their, their lead the singer bomb. Nat uh, has an amazing solo project he's just putting stuff out so yeah definitely you know dead soft yes. oh yeah yeah, of yeah, course. yeah. Yes. yeah the, the only hurdle i've had with dead soft is that they're uh two of the members of ungabriel yeah they live on yeah. Gabriel, so yeah. it's a matter of like finding yeah. linking up the scheduling because i it's ever Yo. since we got out of the yeah. pandemic i am very against vi- doing video interviews yeah. 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 fair enough, fair so. enough. Bradboy would be a good Bradboy would be great. Had yeah. him on this season. Did you? Nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. They'd they just be such a good interview, you know? Oh, yeah. they so were hilarious. Hilarious yeah. and yeah. good, yeah. Totally. Yeah, they both play off each other really, really Yo, well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're best buds. But yeah, thanks again, guys. This has been, again, just it's been a long time coming, and we're just really have, honored to have you guys on the show. Hell yeah. Great. Thanks so Thank much, you. James. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, James Olson. Before we close this episode off with one more song by our featured guest, I just want to let you know that you can keep up with what we're up to on Facebook and Instagram at Pacific Sound Radio and on our website at pacificsoundradio.com. 
If you like the show, you can give us a five-star rating and a positive review on your podcast platform of choice that lets you leave reviews. This is Shampoo Bottles. <laughs>